My UPS driver came to the door one day to deliver a package for me. I opened the door, and he was standing there with the package, and he looked me kind of up and down, and and this guy was like 32 years old but had become a friend. And he said, you might feel better if you combed your hair. Talking with people about how to have a great retirement. This is the Rock Your Retirement Show. We don't talk about money, but we talk about almost everything else you need to rock your retirement. Now, here's your host, Kathy Klein. Hi, it's Kathy, and I'm here with Becky Keeker. And she was 69 years old when she decided to retire from a 20-year career as a partner in a successful woman-owned commercial architectural firm in St. Louis. That was all part of her grand plan. And it was the plan that she had created. A lot of us will create these plans. But Becky had created this plan, and she was totally invested in it since she was 40 years old. She was ready to close the door and walk out embracing a whole new chapter in her life called retirement. And she thought she'd done everything right. She and her husband had saved, invested, researched, and carefully planned their retirement. And they even kept a retirement binder for all those years. And the retirement binder was laminated, had financial spreadsheets. It talked about great places to retire, exciting trips, and the how-to self-help retirement books that she could read. Now, what she didn't expect was that her plan had covered everything except for the emotional aspect of retirement. And you know that that's one of the things that we talk about here on the Rock Your Retirement Show. So I am so pleased to welcome Becky to the show. Welcome, Becky. Thank you so much for having me. It's a delight to be with you today. Well, I'm really glad that you are here. Um, You know, this book, Hiding in My Pajamas, we're going to talk about it in a little bit. But I wanted to ask you what your experience was. Uh, did, did you get depressed when you retired or what happened? Yes, I did get depressed when I was retired. And I lost a lot of self-esteem and self-worth and thinking that I had retired to basically nothing, that all of my plans and dreams were kind of down the toilet, if you will, after I shut that work-life door and retired down to Tucson, Arizona, and was prepared to be the happy retiree and start a whole new life. But things certainly changed for me dramatically. Now, was it just you that went through this period of depression, or was it your husband as well? Well, my husband is still employed, so he's looking at our retirement entirely differently than what I am being by myself a lot. He still has an office in the St. Louis area, and he travels back and forth to that monthly. So I'm alone a lot, and and of course things have changed considerably since I retired four years ago, and after I wrote the book, things have changed immeasurably in a good way. But during that time, the first two years, I struggled completely uh, and emotionally. What I, One of the things that I did learn is, as you told the audience that I put together my whole financial plan and how I wanted to have things end up, that we would have the money and the opportunities that we had always wanted to and worked so hard all of our life for. So I put that binder together with all of the things I thought I needed, but you actually need a separate binder that's really an emotional playbook. Because, you know, before you retire, retirement seems like a distant paradise, but sometimes it ends up that it's not so much. 
Well, what do you mean an emotional playbook? What should somebody, what should they put in that emotional playbook binder? Well, if you really think about it, retirement is the final frontier for all of us. And everybody thinks that your retirement should be easy. The, the cultural norm for retirement, of course, is that we're all living the good life. And even a number of men who have read my book, and it's in the hundreds, have honed in on the emotional side of retirement. And I'd just like to share one review that I thought was kind of, it's kind of funny, and it's from a retired financial advisor in San Francisco. And he said, interesting book, Becky. My wife and I have stuff on these issues. Kudos to you for opening so much, uh, opening so much about your personal life to help others. Just as you said, my wife and I now keep bumping into each other around the house now that we're together all the time, and sometimes the bumps are not so easy. And another man told me I, he's developed the Charlie Brown philosophy. He only dreads one day at a time now. So it kind of goes back to what Malcolm Forbes said years ago, retirement kills more people than hard work ever did. I didn't really know what that meant until after I retired. So do you think part of it was because you're retired and your husband is still working? Do you think that's part of it? I think that's a big part of it to some extent. But the biggest part of it is that how society looks at you after you retire because the minute you retire, you're considered old. And for a while, I kind of accepted this part of the retirement ritual, but after running into the retired pack mentality that society sets for us, I finally decided I didn't want to be defined by my age because I don't know how to act my age. I've never been this old before. So I really liked an interview that I heard a few months ago from a woman uh, in England, who just turned 104, and the reporter said, what do you think is the best thing about t turning 104? And I mean, she didn't miss a beat. She looked right into the camera, and she said, no peer pressure. <laughs> so I think that's kind of what I want to be now, is to be that point where, because, you know, the minute that you retire, it's funny. Who you were, what you did, all your accomplishments in life literally seem to disappear to the outside world. After I retired, my husband and I would go to parties and to events and to not-for-profit things, and I would go around the room and do the same kind of networking, you know, that I'd done before when I was in business, and people would come up to me and say, well, what do you do, Becky? And I was so excited to tell them that I was newly retired and then they'd look at me and they'd pat me on the shoulder and their eyes would glaze over and they'd say, good for you, and walk off to find somebody else. So it just seems like I went from running a $25 million a year company to the newly retired pack of old people. When you walk out and close that door in your work life, the simple answer is that part of you literally disappears. You worked all of your life to get where you are, and suddenly the silence is very deafening in a, in a personal way. And my husband would say, just remember who you were and what you did. And that kind of got me into the mode of, well, how could I have been running this company yesterday, and a month later I'm retired and I'm a whir? It just didn't make any sense to me. So what did you do? I mean, it, did, it took you, what, two years to get through that? Or 
How long? It did take me two years to get through that, and I started doing some kind of silly things. Uh, I had such a high range of emotions. The first thing I did was when my husband was out of town, I would put on my pajamas. I had these adorable little silk pajamas with pink bunnies on them that one of my daughters had given me years ago that I'd never wore before, and I had some Elmo slippers that one of my grandkids had given me and this old kind of horrible robe that was kind of in shreds to begin with, and I started using a hairbrush as a pretend microphone running around the house all day singing to old Elvis (laughs) Presley CDs, and then I would stay in bed all day reading something that I had never read before, because coming from the architectural industry, all I read was, you know, the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, the local papers, and architectural periodicals, so I didn't have much time for kind of what I called, you know, recreational reading, and I discovered Danielle Steele. And all the ladies out there who know Danielle Steele, (laughs) I fell in love with those novels, and I went to Goodwill and bought 60 of them, and I must have spent, I don't know, five months in bed reading Danielle Steele. (laughs) And then I also discovered two things that I'd never had time to indulge in before. Netflix was number one. I'd not had time to watch television, and somebody turned me on to Netflix, and I can tell you, I laid in bed all day long watching old movies with tears running down my cheeks, and I could probably recite verbatim now the reruns of MASH and Jerry Seinfeld. (laughs) The final thing that I did that kind of got me in a lot of trouble was I discovered Overstock.com. Oh, my gosh. I never realized there were so many things out there that I had never saw before that I needed. In fact, the UPS driver and I still exchange Christmas cards today. Too bad he wasn't working on commission. Yes, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, I think in all fairness, there are so many outdated stereotypes and expectations of what older people should or shouldn't do by the time that they retire. It is pretty unnerving, you know, when you go to your retirement party and you come home with this whole stack of over-the-hill cards and they're not near as funny as you thought they were when when you gave them to other people. Um, in fact, I was out shopping at Costco a couple of weeks ago, just love Costco, and um, I got a phone call from my daughter who just actually moved here to Arizona from San Francisco to be closer to me, and I said, hi, honey, how are you doing? And she said, mom where are you? And I said, I'm in Costco shopping. I said, I'm having such a good time. Do you want me to bring anything to you? And there was a big, long silence. And she said, Mother, we came here together, and I'm standing at the front door waiting for (laughs) you. No, that is so funny. (laughs) I felt like just an idiot. Oh, I'm sorry I shouldn't laugh, but you have to admit it's kind of funny. Okay, now those things that you just listed, those four things that you said that you did, do you think those helped you get out of it, or did they put you more into depression? Well, I guess it's a two-pronged answer, because in some instances, I felt like I was being bad, because most of this stuff occurred, of course, when my husband was out of town. When he was back in town, I would pull myself together and act like everything was normal, so... It took me a while to to bridge that gap between the, the reality of what I was doing and actually trying to get my life together. But, you know, the, 
the big thing also about retirement is how it affects your marriage. And I remember years ago, somebody told me a perfect marriage is just two imperfect people who refuse to give up on each other. And I think that's so true, because if you remember Irma Brownback, she said years and years ago, you know what, sweetie, there's no guarantee with marriage. You want a guarantee, you better buy a car battery. (laughs) So what happened? I mean, you did all these things when your husband was out of town, Mm -hmm. and you went through this two years of depression. I mean, I, I guess I'm still unclear of, did these help you or did they hinder your getting like, are you, are you advocating that others do what you did or are you going to advocate that they do something else? Well, of course not. What, I, what I'm advocating is, is that the big thing after retirement is that you really need to have that emotional playbook and a plan for what you want to do with your life because all sorts of things surfaced, especially with myself and my husband after retirement. AARP had a magazine article a couple of years ago that said what happened to me and my husband really is called out-of-sync retirement syndrome. And, And what the article said was basically many couples are poorly prepared for the conflicts unleashed when one partner retires and the other continues to toil. So in essence, I retired and my husband continues to toil. So unleash we did on each other. And they said there actually is what is considered a honeymoon period after two couple after a couple retire. It's nothing like the honeymoon period that you had the first time, I can assure you of that, but it's learning how to build a relationship all over again. And because I had this feeling of leaving my my professional life you know, we are so tied to what we are and who we are in our professional lives. It's very hard to think of ourselves outside of that mentality after our reti- after we retire. And so I think the biggest thing is learning all over again how our identities are so closely linked to who we were outside of work. We just find it difficult to adjust to life outside the workplace. And after I retired, I moved to Tucson, an entirely different person. And I became I began doing things that I had never done before and never really wanted to do before. For instance, before I retired, for the last probably 20 years of my work life, I had a housekeeper. And if I had not had a housekeeper, probably the house would have never been cleaned because of my work and travel schedule. And after I retired, I decided, okay, I have all this time on my hands. I need to start cleaning house. Hadn't done it in years, but, you know, I felt guilty because I had all this time. But what I should have remembered, what Phyllis Diller said years ago, housework can't kill you, but why take the chance? (laughs) So today, when I get obsessed about housework, I just flip on a, a, you know, a, 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 a TV show about the hoarders, and I look at that, and I don't feel so bad about how messy my house was is today. But what I became focused on was things I thought I should do and not the things that I wanted to do. And I believe that my husband, you know, traveling back and forth, I was doing all these meals and keeping the house clean and, and picking up the laundry and doing the laundry and the cleaning and so forth. I thought that that he would appreciate it. And when he didn't, 
I became really upset emotionally because I thought, here I'm doing all these new things and I'm becoming a whole different person to do what I thought everybody wanted me to do. So right or wrong, I felt as I've just become a lesser portion of the woman that I was. I really just wanted to slap an out-of-order sticker on my forehead and call it a day because I was being so goofy. And I thought it was wonderful for my husband because here I was in Tucson living my little pity party for me to cope while he jetted back and forth. And it never dawned on me that he was also changing and that, you know, being with an unhappy wife and going back and forth all the time was causing a lot of pain. Because what I discovered was when you actually stop the day-to-day rat race and sit down 24 hours a day in your newly purchased leather recliners that vibrate, we bought two of them, <laughs> looking at each other like strangers in a stranglehold over the remote, it's very disconcerting. So you need to kind of discover each other and give each other some space all over again. Well, we are going to find out how you did that when we come back from the break. Sounds good. Right now we are talking with Becky Keeker from Hiding in My Pajamas, and we're going to find out how she got over her depression when we come right back. Is it time for a pantry makeover? Hi, my name is Lisa Woodruff, and I'm a professional organizer and productivity expert. And my question to you as you rock your retirement Is it time for a pantry makeover? I want you to think about what are your favorite foods and anyone who is full-time living in your house with you. What I think you'll find is a lot of the things in your pantry are things that your children like to eat or things that you serve on a seasonal basis. But your pantry should really only have your everyday foods in there. So make a list. What are your favorite seasonal foods? And what foods do you typically serve for family and friends? And then think about how often you have the family and friends over. Have your pantry reflect how you daily use your food. Declare a pantry amnesty day and clean it out. Donate all of your unexpired foods that are not daily loves to a local food pantry and start over. Check out the Organized 365 podcast for more on how to get organized as you rock your retirement. Welcome back. I'm talking with Becky Keeker from the book, Hiding in My Pajamas. And we're talking about the depression that she went through when she first retired. And now we're going to talk about how she got out of it and some tips on how you can prepare for this as well. So Becky, welcome back. Thank you. So I am at the edge of my seat. (laughs) Tell me, how did you get, because this is a common problem. I mean, I have talked it's with a very common yeah, several people about the fact that you need to prepare for this because it's definitely something that happens. And I actually have clients who go through this. And this is one of the reasons why I started this show. So tell me what you did. How did you reverse what was happening? Well, the, the big thing I did actually was write the book because... As I went around talking to other women around, actually in some of my travels around the United States, 
I found out that this was actually the best-kept secret with women and men who are retiring today because retiring is a huge challenge to all of us who have had years of validation through significant recognition and power. And if you think about that, you're retiring from that type of platform to kind of just status quo as far as the world is concerned after you retire. And hundreds and hundreds of women from around the United States have said, I am so happy that you wrote the book because it validates that I'm not crazy and that I am not the only one out there that's going through this. Because one of the things that I did, honestly, was keep this very quiet and internalized because I was ashamed about how I felt. And after I moved to Tucson and started going through all this depression and doing all these kind of silly things, the other thing that, as I was just talking before the break about my husband and our relationship, I just didn't know how to spend 24 hours a day with someone that I thought I knew and that we had been high school sweethearts, because so we've been together an awful long time. It was very daunting to figure that out. And so many hundreds and hundreds of women have, have emailed me and called me and said, I don't want to spend 24 hours a day straight with my husband. We, we just are different people now than we were when we re- before we retired. And just to give you an example, in Arizona, a highly respected judge that I met and her husband, a very highly respected political attorney, he flew back and forth to Washington constantly for their entire married life. And of course, she was a judge quietly going over cases in her chamber, nobody ever interrupting her, having all the time in the world. And then they both decided to retire at the same time. So here they were, these high-powered, very professional, highly respected people together 24 hours a day in a setting that they had not been in in 30 years together all the time. Okay, so we know the problem. How did you solve it? What did you do? Well, the first thing that I did was to decide that my husband and I, when he came home, we both needed our own space. We were sharing an office in our home for one thing. That was a big problem because he's an investment advisor, so I can't be in the office when he's talking to clients. So I had to go out in the living room and do my work and do things. So what we did, that sounds extreme, but we actually sold our house and bought a different house so we could have our space. And we both decided that it was time that we discovered different things that we needed to do, hobbies or going out and volunteering for things or or doing things like going to the show together in the afternoon, which we'd never done before because we never had time to do. But we had a game plan that we put together to make sure that we weren't in each other's face all the time and that there was plenty of time for us to have individual time and together time that we both enjoyed. So basically you worked out a plan where, first of all, you both had your own physical space, and that sounds good. Right. You made a plan to discover your own personal space, doing the different hobbies that you would enjoy without your spouse. Exactly. And then you also had scheduled together time or dates. Is that correct? Exactly. Awesome. Exactly. For instance, now we have two dates a week and we both pick individually what we want to do on that date and neither one of us can 
you know, be upset about the date. So just to give you an example, last week was, uh, last Friday was my husband's date night, and so he picked it, what we were going to do, and we went to Home Depot, and we bought a comfort height toilet, and then we went to Denny's for dinner. That was his <laughs> choice. So I didn't get upset about it. I went along with the flow. So that was your tonight, date, going to Home Depot? Yeah, that was our date night, going and buying the comfort height <laughs> toilet and going to Denny's for dinner. So I was like, fine, whatever. And so tonight is our date night, and I have, it was my date night to pick, so I have entirely something different. But you know what? It's been fun and funny for both of us. And I think sometimes he does stuff like that to me just to challenge it, to see if I'm going to get upset about it. <laughs> but you know what? I've learned one thing through going through all of this, and, you'll, and your listeners will see this or, or read this in the book is that you need to learn to find a whole new who the new person is because if you really think about it especially for us women we spend our whole life taking care of everybody we take care of our families first of course then we take care of our co-workers sometimes we even have to be the person that takes care of the boss and then after you retire who are you who are you as an individual as as your own person in your own right and and it doesn't matter how successful you are or how much money you have. It's that personal finding, that, that point that makes it special for you. And it's, it's a journey that's not without pain and not without some issues. But it takes a lot of introspection. And I even, I, probably your audience remembers the old book, um, Men Are From Mars and Women Are From Venus. Yes. I actually got that back out and read it again. And you know what? If you haven't read it for a while, you ought to get it back out before you retire, because I can tell you it's right on point. <laughs> well, you know, there, there is a high divorce rate after somebody retires. And, yes, there is. And that, again, it's one of the reasons why I started the show. I want to try to keep these marriages together. I mean, you've been married for so long. You've beaten the odds. And then when you retire, it falls apart. It doesn't seem fair. So well, you know what I did one of the things I did learn is that if you haven't addressed some of these issues before you retire that some of the issues can't be resolved and unfortunately I've had women that have written me and men that said I read your book and I decided to get a divorce because I realized that my husband and I really don't have anything in common or my wife and I don't have anything in common. And that's especially happened, and you may have found this also, is that when people retire, the first one of the spouses retires sometime, you know, five or six years before the other spouse retires, and they develop a whole pattern and a whole new life, and then the other spouse is left kind of trying to fit their way into that. And sometimes it doesn't work. And But the big thing is just to be aware that, what I wanted to share with the book, it's certainly not a self-help book by any stretch of the imagination. It's just a heads up for women and men that are getting ready to retire that says there's some struggles out there that you really need to think about that has nothing to do with money or where you're going to live or anything else. It just has to acknowledge the differences that you have and try to work them out before before you retire. That's right. And it's not just with your spouse. I no. mean, I have I have um, friends and clients who aren't married. They're not in a relationship. And mm-hmm. they find themselves unable to get out of bed. 
because they had a high powered position like the one that you had. And then they went through the same thing. When you go to a party who, you know, what do you do? Well, I'm retired. And suddenly people aren't people who would have jumped to talk with you now aren't returning your phone calls. Right. And it's such a different feeling. And the people you thought were your friends aren't. Right, because they were work friends. Right. 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 So so what did you do to get new friends? Because you sort of had a double whammy. You left your career and left your city all at the same time, and you had to start fresh. How did you make new friends? Well, it was difficult because you don't – that's another thing that I put in the book about starting a whole new social network after you move away, if you move away. And it was daunting. Um, I started – I got accepted to some boards, uh, not-for-profit boards around the Tucson area that has been very rewarding for me. Uh, I really like uh, particular things that have to do with children and education and have been very involved with that. And I've been trying to learn how to play golf because my husband is an avid golfer and I don't care for it that much, but because he he does, it's good exercise and mm-hmm. outside in Tucson is gorgeous, so I tried to do that. And I've also started writing, I'm halfway through writing another book that kind of elaborates on everything I've said now and how the end result has worked out. And the biggest thing has been just the biggest challenge is discovering who I am and being happy with who that is. And I think to all of your listeners, that's what I can say is the most important thing for everybody is because you need to discover the new best version of you and work on that. It should be all about you because you're the one that's retiring. And especially with women, we try to put all sometimes roadblocks in to the area that we have, and it's not necessary after you retire. And one of the things that pulled me out of this, and this is just something so silly, is my UPS driver came to the door one day to deliver a package for me, and it was about two years ago in January, and it was cold here, and I opened the door, and he was standing there with the package, and he looked me kind of up and down, and this, and this guy was like 32 years old but had become a friend. And he said, you might feel better if you combed your hair. And I took the package and slammed the door in his face, and I stomped into the bedroom, and I looked at myself in the full-length mirror, and here I was with my hair sticking up all over the place in these pajamas and my robe and my slippers, and I had mustard stains on my pajamas where I had eaten a hot dog that day, and I looked like a bag lady. You know, all I needed was a cart to go down the street, and that would have been perfect. And so what I decided was, you know what, the avoidance technique can only work for so long, and sooner or later you just need to pull up your Spanx and man up. (laughs) And I remembered what John Wayne said years ago in an article, courage is being scared to death and saddling up anyway. So I saddled up. And I decided that I was just going to stop this and get a hold of myself. And that's when I began the challenge of discovering who I was and who I wanted to be as a person. And I can tell you, after doing that, I'm a lot happier today than I ever have been in my entire life and much more comfortable with myself. Well, that is a great way to end the show. Thank you so much for coming on 
telling us, how can we find your book? Where do we, Where is your book sold? The book is online at Amazon or Barnes & Noble, or your listeners can email me at uh, bkeeker at gmail.com, and I would be happy to um, send them a book. And her last name is spelled K-U-E-K-E-R. We're going to go ahead and have that in the show notes for today to make it easy for you. We'll have a link to the book, and we'll have the um, email address of where you can reach Becky. Becky, is there anything that you'd like to say before we say goodbye? I just want to say to your audience, I hope that for all of those who are retired or getting ready to retire, that you have an attitude and you know how to use it and you keep on doing it. (laughs) Great advice. Thanks so much. And for the listener, we'll see you next time on Rock Your Retirement. Thanks for listening to the Rock Your Retirement show. If you are rocking your retirement or know someone who would make a great guest on our show, please send us an email at podcast at rockyourretirement.com. Oh, wait. I wanted to thank you again for listening to the Rocky Retirement Show. If you're a new listener, a good place to start is episode 116. This explains the six pillars of retirement lifestyle and our general philosophy. Episodes 1 through 236 can be thought of as an encyclopedia. These are topics that may or may not be interesting to you. You can listen to the ones that you're interested in and forget the rest until the issue becomes an issue for you. And that's okay. I actually don't recommend starting with episode one and working through until the most recent. That's actually not how the show was designed. Of course, if you want to do that so you can see how the show changed over time, you're welcome to. Now, starting in August... Actually, August 31st of 2020, we changed the format of the show. The monthly episodes starting with 237 follow a real retiree from her pre-announcement through her first year of retirement. There might be bonus episodes, but we're committed to monthly. If you've enjoyed any of our past shows or the show that you've just listened to and you want to support us, you can do so in any of the four ways. One, share this episode with a friend or family member who needs to hear it. This is the most important way that people find us. Since our audience is typically older, we grow by having our listeners share our episodes with others. Two, subscribe to or follow the show using whatever podcast catcher you're listening on right now. Now, if you're listening on your computer, you can listen on your smartphone by going to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, iHeartRadio, Spotify. I mean, I believe on all of them. If you can't find us on the podcast catcher that you'd like to use, send us a note on the website at rockyourretirement.com 
and we'll make sure that we get on your favorite podcast app. But basically, what you do is you download the app and then you search for the show. And when you find it, you'll hit subscribe. Make sure it's the Rock Your Retirement Show and that you hear my voice when you listen. Um, actually, there were some episodes where Henry Shapiro was a guest. Uh, we, we actually downloaded some of his episodes. So if you hear him, it's probably still the, the same show. There were maybe 34 or 35 episodes back in the beginning that we hosted on our show uh, when he decided to leave podcasting. Number three, how you can support us is by leaving a review. Whatever podcast app you're listening to normally has the option of leaving a review, either a written review saying how great the show is or just with stars. Five stars is typically the best. And of course, we're shooting for those five star reviews. And if you tell us why you like the show, what you liked about it, it's actually easier for other people to understand what the show's about. A lot of people, when they find our show, they think it's about money. And of course, by now, you know that it's not. Number four, if you'd like to support us financially, of course, we're always appreciative of that. Just go to rockyourretirement.com slash support, and it will take you to our page where you can support us financially. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time on Rock Your Retirement. Bye.